Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello again, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans. It is presented, as always, by our friends at TNT Home Services. For all your plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical needs, contact my friends at TNT Home Services, 720-500-1979, and TNTHomeServicesCO.com. My guest this week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast, you hear him after all of the Avalanche games over the weekend. He's a fill-in host here on The Fan. He's doing it all. I love talking to him. It's Matt Smith. Matty, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Now, how do you feel? You've been very vocal of late. I've been following you on Twitter. Uh, you've been very Doesn't vocal. Doesn't sound like me. Uh, you've been very vocal. <laughs> I know. Very uh, very uh, unusual behavior from you. But right. let, let, let's get to some of the issues here. First of all, as we are talking, the Avalanche have lost three of their last four games. It, for them, qualifies as a slump. Where is your level of concern at? You know, my level of concern is rising right now. There are some trends that I'm really not liking with this group at the moment in time. And with the trade deadline just 11 days away, as of recording this podcast, Mike, there are some big opportunities here to upgrade this roster moving forward into the playoffs. As I have all year, I've kind of been diagnosing this team based upon what it's going to look like during playoff hockey, right? After three straight years of getting bounced in the second round. I'm sick of it. Fans are sick of it. We need to figure out how this team is going to advance past these roadblocks that they continue to hit in the postseason. And again, you know, regular season has never been a concern with this group as currently constructed. And so when you're looking at the differences between regular season hockey and postseason hockey, there are some things you're going to need when the playoffs roll around that I think this team is deficient on right now and quite frankly I think that they have gotten by on a lot of their top end talent and as we've seen in the playoffs it takes a it takes a village so uh, there are some concerns I have my concern level is rising with this group undoubtedly all right what do they need well Mike to be honest I think they need another heavy hitter up front I think when you're looking at the teams around the league that you're going to have to compete with Calgary just made a move to go add Tyler Toffoli from the Canadiens uh, Vegas brings in Jack Eichel then they'll get Mark Stone back there are rumors that Vegas is not done adding yet which I'm not exactly sure how that's even possible yeah. at the moment how many, more, time. how many more salary cap loopholes can they find yeah but they're gonna find them that's for sure and if they're there to expose they'll expose them and you know missing the playoffs for Vegas and they're in a a playoff battle at the moment in time but it's not an option so I fully expect Vegas will uh, make another move I've heard rumblings there as well Uh, but that's the Western Conference right I mean you can look at some other teams but for all intents and purposes the main competitors that Colorado needs to be concerned about dealing with are Calgary and Vegas both of which have already made big moves uh, approaching the NHL trade deadline obviously that Eichel deal taking place earlier in the season then if you look at the Eastern Conference you've got Carolina, who they're going to play tonight, which is a very, very tough matchup. 
folks do expect Carolina to look to add, Florida in the Eastern Conference, Tampa in the Eastern Conference, Toronto in the Eastern Conference, Boston is playing a lot better. There's a lot of really good hockey teams with some high-end talent, and all of those teams that I just mentioned have better third and fourth lines than the Avalanche. So when we're talking about adding another big dog, a Patrick Kane, a Claude Giroux, obviously Kaner is on the top of my list. Some say it may be a bit of a fever dream, but from all the NHL insiders that I've heard, Joe Sackick is up to something big, and I expect it to be out of left field, quite frankly. I'm not sure Claude Giroux will be the name that they actually end up pursuing. JT Miller from Vancouver is a name that's out there. The Canucks are in a bit of a playoff push themselves, so we'll see. Uh, I do think outside of that top dog, you need some grinders on that third and fourth line. Your Logan O'Connors, Alex Newhooks, Tyson Jost, JT Comfer, Nicholas Obey-Kubel, Darren Helm. Are these third and fourth line guys on a championship team? I am far from convinced. I'm far from convinced that a bunch of kids are going to be able to produce in the postseason when we haven't, Mike, really seen them do it consistently in the regular season. So I don't I, I, I would feel extremely uncomfortable heading into such a critical junker, juncture in franchise history and having to rely on those guys. And, and it's not taking anything away from the potential that a few of them have and, and some of the things that they've produced this season. But quite frankly, it's cup or bust time, and you cannot rely on guys this inexperienced who produce at such an inconsistent rate to be your answer in the postseason. So I think top dog, third and fourth line grinders. I think by adding some more championship DNA to the third and fourth line, some nasty, some guys who who aren't afraid to play a physical hockey game, who can stand up for some of the Av stars so we don't have to see Gabriel Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon doing it in the postseason. And Curtis McDermott was brought in for that reason, but Curtis McDermott really hasn't been able to do it enough because he doesn't see the ice enough. So I think you need to find a way to bring guys in here on that third and fourth line that cannot not only bring you some nasty, but bolster your blue line, right? Because the Avalanche have the highest scoring defense in the NHL this year by by a large, large margin. And Gabriel Landeskog, for the most part, is the only guy in front of the net doing the dirty work for the Avalanche. And in the playoffs, you have to win in the greasy areas. So I'd really like to see them bring in a guy like a Cal Clutterbuck. Andrew Kopp from Winnipeg is being mentioned. So is Paul Stasny. Mm. Old Av Paul Stasny, which I think would be a very, very interesting interesting move for that third line so there are a few areas certainly and then of course I think you and I might have started this season off talking about Sam Girard and you know he's really gone through it here over the last week and a half a very tough stretch for him we're seeing the same issues Mike that we saw against Vegas too small makes too many mistakes and at this point in time you have to look at Bo Byram because there's two schools of thought here Bo is going to try and make a return this season. So if he does, and you feel confident in that, then you can potentially, potentially look to move Sam Girard because he does have that $5 million cap hit and he's under team control for the next several years. So if you're really looking to go out there and trying to make some splash moves here at the deadline, Sam's a name that you have to consider because, you know, we saw it 
we saw him cost them against Vegas last year, and we're seeing it uh, these last few weeks that, you know, he's been lapped by better offensive defensemen on this team, and I just don't know how much he's really giving you. So for me, Sam is definitely on the block if you feel like Bo Byram uh, can possibly return, but also, and so here's the other school of thought. Is Bo healthy enough, right? Is he going to last in his career and it it sucks to even have this conversation and you wouldn't even want to think about moving Bo Byram if you were fully healthy but we have to look at everything in reality here and these are now several concussions and I'll be holding my breath on the next time he takes a big hit and I'm sure they will as well and so at the deadline there are teams like Vancouver who's looking to acquire a young defenseman could Bo be on the move could Mm. we see him as the centerpiece in a Patrick Kane deal I'm not sure right now and Joe Sack it has some big, big questions to answer over these next 11 days. Well, as we visit with Matt Smith, fan host, and also uh, Avalanche postgame shows that you hear after Av games on the weekend, as well as uh, during the regular season. Uh, so, lots to unpack there. Now, now my, yeah. my first thought is, the good news is, don't worry about Joe Sackick and his um, uh, having the stomach to go out and make a big deal like you're talking about, because he knows from his days playing here, Watching, learning under Pierre Lacroix, you never you never take anything for granted. You can always add, no matter how good your team seems to be. So I don't worry about that. You left out goaltender, and I, I, I can't believe this conversation came up this week because the way Darcy Kemper was playing since he came back um, uh, around the start of December, I, he was on at one point, I, I think, an 18-1 roll. But then the Calgary game, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I I think that Jared Bednar panicked a bit, that they put so much emphasis on that Calgary game, which, again, kind of surprised me considering you still have about 20 games left, 20-plus games. There was so much emphasis put on that game. And the quick hook of Darcy Kemper, I wonder if that got into Kemper's head at all. And you you talk about goaltenders, they're always kind of a squirrely lot, you know, in, in, in between the ears. And you look at his next performance after that against New Jersey, wasn't good there either. Do you wonder if Darcy Kemper uh, is, is fighting himself mentally right now? And And I guess, does goaltender come up in this trade conversation? So I do have concerns about Darcy Kemper, and the goaltending concerns in general are not going to be answered until the postseason. However, here's how I view the goaltending situation. About two months ago, I was on the Marc-Andre Fleury train. Kemper and Franzos really hadn't proved consistently that they could step in and, you know, get the job done. Darcy goes on that 18-game point streak and, you know, the Avs roll through the month of January. Uh, The way I look at it is this, is that the Avs gave up Connor Timmins, a first-round pick this year, and a conditional third-round pick in 2024 for Darcy Kemper. To go out and add another goaltender at this time, point in time would basically be admitting that you did not do a good job in the offseason and and didn't bring in the right guy and that the two you have here haven't been able to get the job done. Uh, I do believe in the postseason you need goaltending that can steal you games, that can make up for mistakes. However, I would attribute more of the recent struggles to the avalanche to mental mistakes you know, a lack of focus, lapses in focus is a better way to put 
put it, and and shooting themselves in the foot. There are far too many turnovers in their own end still. That's been one of their biggest issues all year long. And I was surprised as well, Mike, that Kemper got the hook the other night against Calgary. You know, three goals beginning of the second period it was it definitely caught me off guard for sure but I do believe that move was more in an effort to wake up the guys in front of him and just say look you know at that point what else can you really do to jumpstart them and and, and when I look at Kemper um, is he the perfect option no is he uh, can I tr- can you trust Darcy Kemper to go win you a Stanley Cup I'm not sure I'm not sure but what I do know is that this is one of the best performing teams in in NHL history, right? They reached 40 wins, the second fastest in league history at 54 games. What I've seen from the Avalanche in front of him this year has been 80% of the time good enough to get the job done in the playoffs. Now, the reason why I don't think that goaltender will be on the table at the deadline is if you look at the available options on the market, there are no no-brainer significant upgrades. There you know, there isn't a you're not going to go add a guy with a 195, you know, uh, right. goals allowed this year, you know, and and, and you know, a, a 925 save percentage. That's, that's just not going to happen. And is a proven ped- playoff pedigree goalie, too. Exactly. And and Marc-Andre Fleury would be the only name on the market, right. but he just told Chicago that he wants to be back there. I guess the Maple Leafs are pushing pretty hard for him because they have serious goaltending concerns as well. Jack Campbell now out for two weeks for them, so uh, that opens things up there. The Oilers, who are fighting for a playoff spot themselves, desperately, desperately need goaltending help, and he could certainly boost them as well but that's really the only name I mean you go up and down the board we thought okay maybe Jonathan Quick could be available LA's done really well Yaroslav Halak is the backup in Vancouver but Vancouver's fighting for a playoff spot and whenever Halak has played this year really hasn't looked very good Tuka Rask was in Boston this season and they had a surplus at goaltender with Linus Ulmark uh, Jeremy Swayman and Rask but then Rask retires so now Boston appears good so goaltender market to me has dropped up pretty considerably and what it's going to take to get Marc-Andre Fleury when we'll have to remember and and yes would you like to have a guy that's playoff proven you would Mike but I don't think that guy exists and for the price that you would have to spend to get a Fleury I think you can get uh, much better in different areas that will improve this hockey team more but to your point and your original question am I going to be concerned about this guy you better believe it because it's three years in a row that they haven't made it past the second round and goaltending has been a big issue in each of those three years so yes I'll be concerned but also I don't think the goaltending is as enough of a red flag to really go out there and move mountains to try and mix things up after you already gave up a talented prospect and a first round and third round pick all right well I I do need a real strong Darcy Kemper performance here coming up to kind of ease my concerns after the last two one more (laughs) one more with you with, with Matt Smith here on the mile high hockey podcast and I couldn't wait to get you on because th- this is one, dude, you've been railing against it, and I don't I don't understand why. Okay. You're, you're very upset with the breakup of the first line and yeah. Andre Burakovsky being put up on the first line. And from the moment it has happened, you yep. have been railing against it. Even when Burakovsky was pumping home goals game after game, you were still railing against it. I like the idea. You know you can always go back to that line, the top line of McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. But 
this is the time of the season with still 20-plus games left to try to see if you can create some added depth and length throughout your forward lines so that you get a little bit of that trickle-down effect and you get a little bit more balance because when you look at the Avalanche bugaboos in the playoffs the last couple of years, it's been goaltending, it's been beaten up by teams that play heavy, but it's also been a lack of secondary scoring. And so if this move was done with the idea of trying to kind of pump some life into that, knowing you can always go back to the top line whenever you may need to for a game or for a third period, what's wrong with it? Weren't you just the one who told me you couldn't take what you had for granted, Mike? Wasn't that what you said? Right. Uh, yeah. So here's here's why I really don't like it is because I don't believe it bolsters your depth because all you're doing is swapping Landeskog and Burakovsky. That second line has been scoring at a very good clip all season long. Jared Bednar said it was to create manufactured adversity. Well, when they played Calgary the other night, they were facing a team that throughout their entire lineup had missed 60 games this season. Between McKinnon, Rontanen, and Landeskog, the Avalanche have missed 60 games this season. They've already dealt with these lineup shakeups. They've already dealt with tons of adversity in this lineup. And quite frankly, the first and second lines were never a problem. I am also not a fan of really tying one one hand behind your back to create this, you know, manufactured adversity when it's having no trickle-down effect on the third and fourth line. If, Mike, it was, that would be a different story. But it really hasn't. It has been all in an effort to hook the jumper cables up to a guy who only plays one end of the ice. And when you take Landeskog off that first line, A, you take away an imposing will that the Avs have over other teams. And yes, I understand that, you know, these games numerically you can fart around and, and screw around with the numbers. But the problem is, is he didn't do it in the middle of the season. He waited till the back third of the season. And right now we're just over 20 games away from the playoffs. And they're about to make some big moves here, hopefully at the deadline. And you've completely jumbled the identity of this team, which I think, you know, Look, do you have the luxury to do it? Sure. Do I worry significantly that it's going to create bad habits? I do, because that first line back check had been better than it had been the last three seasons. And by breaking that up, I think you start to create some bad habits. We've seen them, Mike. We, we've seen this team have to come from behind in almost every one of their wins since that move was made. Burakovsky had three goals in four games and has since cooled off. So for me, I think he is riding his luck a little bit too long. Do I think, and, and I've made, made note of this many times, do I think that it's having such a significant impact that that's the reason why they're losing some of these games? No, I do not. However, I do believe that it's it's having a very tangible effect on how they start the games and how they string together periods consistently. Because that was something we were talking about the first month of the season as well, is that the carryover, 20 minutes to 20 minutes to 20 minutes, just wasn't there. And when you have that first line together, you have so many more opportunities to not only... Uh, capitalize on the fact that they're on the ice for 20 plus minutes but you're also losing something on the back end because your back check is not as strong in my opinion you're also putting more pressure on Nathan McKinnon to produce at a higher level on that first line and I have no problem with that whatsoever because he's needed a kick in the pants this year he has gone through some injuries but I think lately he's really started to pick his level of play back up which is great to see but but like I say I, I think you lose something defensively when you break that line apart and quite frankly 
frankly, you've already dealt with the adversity. So I know it was to get Burakovsky going. The only other minor question I have is, was it potentially to feature Burakovsky for an upcoming trade? I don't know. This is a guy who I think plays too soft of a game, Mike. That's really why I'm so critical of him. He gets ridden off pucks constantly. We haven't seen him produce when it really matters the last several years. He had a nice bubble, no doubt about it. He had a really nice performance in the bubble, but outside of that, he's far too inconsistent and far too streaky. And I don't understand propping up a guy who's struggling by putting him with some of the best players on your team if it requires breaking up your team's identity, which I believe it does. Again, my personal opinion, and I think there are some bad habits that are coming from it. I I don't want to see it go on much longer. I mean, this is, what, seven, eight games now? It's time to get back to it. 20 games left till the playoffs. Build your rhythm back up. Keep the chemistry together. You have to adjust on the fly. You have to adjust on the fly. Look, they're going to have to adjust anyway, Mike, because if they make some big moves at the deadline, they're going to have to do it. All right. Great stuff, man. Bringing it strong. I love it. Matt Smith, who you get a chance to hear as uh, one of our fan hosts and also with the Avalanche postgame shows throughout the course of the season. Matt, I appreciate it. That was fun. Thank you. Absolute look, it's cup or bust. Right? It's now or never. Oh, I agree. So so that's where I'm coming from. We we you gotta look at it from that from that perspective. So. All right. This is the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to our presenting sponsor, TNT Home Services, for all your plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical needs. Uh, take advantage of some of the great, great deals they have. Check out their website, TNT Home Services You can also uh, give them a call at 720-500-1970. 720-500-1979 TNT Home Services We Got Your Six That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast We'll see you again next week